Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. Today, you'll hear a message from our pastor, Brad Carrington. We hope that it helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that he has called you to do. Well, good morning, and welcome to Uncommon Church. Um, so you're, you're kind of catching us in this season of, of transformation. And um, last Sunday, if, if you missed last Sunday and you're a part of the house, man, I just I, you have to go back and watch the YouTube or, or catch the podcast um, because I said some things that I, I shifted directions for our house for 2024. So if, if this is your house, then, then you, need to, you need to get plugged in and, and find out what we did. So I won't re- reteach that, um, but I will re-quote one verse, and it's about fasting. This is when Jesus told the disciples that fasting is mandatory, not optional. It always cracks me up when people, you know, like, well, I don't have to fast. No, you do, because in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus, the king of the universe, said, when you fast, not if, when you fast, just don't look gloomy like all the hypocrites because they disfigure their faces, they make a big deal on Instagram so that their fasting could be seen by other people. The Lord said, truly I say to you, they have already received their reward. But here's the second time, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face so that your fasting isn't seen by other people but that your, fast, your fasting is seen by the Father who is in secret. And your Father, listen to this, guys, the one who is in secret will reward you for your fast. So there is a reward for fasting. There's a, when we discipline ourselves and, 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 and we discipline our bodies and we choose to fast, God says the Father gives us a reward. Now, here's the question. I think it would be a fair question. What's the reward? What do I get? If I'm going to go through, like, and, oh, by the way, if you're visiting, this, this 21 days, we're doing something we've never done before. It's very difficult. When a Jew says I'm fasting, it means no food for 24 hours from sundown to sundown. So when Jesus was referring to the fast, he was referring to a fast with no food, water only. So for 21 days, we, we can't quite do that. But what we can do is we can fast for 23 hours eat for one. So most people in the church, if they're physically able, um, are fasting 23 hours and then eating for one. So I've been doing this all week with you guys, and um, we might have bitten off more than we can chew. It is, it is not easy. Um, golly. So I, 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 I told you I'm a complainer when I fast, and I'm probably going to lose all my reward, but this has been a tough week. So um, I feel amazing when we get to eat. Like that one hour... I am gorging myself. Like I am like, I feel gross at the end of the hour. Um, last night I was on a flight uh, back, so I ate an hour early and I was getting on the plane just like, I was like, oh, just like you know, waddling on the, 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 the gangway. But um, so we're doing this crazy fast. Now, fasting is not for children. Fasting is not for pregnant people or nursing mothers or elderly people. Like fasting is for those that are able to fast. You can fast in other ways if you're unable to to do this 23-1 fast. So I say all that to say, why would we put ourselves through all this strict discipline? Like what is, is it worth it for beating my body and making it my slave like the Apostle Paul said? Like is this worth all of this? I propose to you, church, that the reward that the Father gives us is the Son. The reward for fasting is Jesus. The Lord's presence in our lives is, is, is what we're pressing in for. The presence of God is the very thing that motivates us, that is the carrot at the end of the stick. It's the thing that we long for. 
Let me go back. Just, yeah, leave the verse up. It's fine. I had this thought. If, if you're fasting, for those of you that are doing the 23-1 fast, and I know how difficult it is because I'm doing it with you, this week, sometime, once, maybe twice, I want you to be open to the Holy Spirit. And if the Lord directs you, now it's, up, it's between you and God, it's your fast, but if the Lord directs you, I want you to have a moment of celebration in your 23 hours when you're not supposed to eat and take your kids out for ice cream or take your spouse out for a meal and just put your phone in the car so that you're not distracted but you put all of your attention on your spouse. I want you to celebrate at least once this week when you feel the Holy Spirit leading you to do so. Because I don't want this fast, this fast is very hard, but I don't want it to be so hard that you hate the fast and you hate that God would call you to fast. I want you to, I don't want you to dread it. I want you to be excited for it. I want you to be looking for your reward. So if, if you're fasting, you're doing the difficult fast, sometime this week, I want you to break your fast for just another hour and have some fun and celebrate in the presence of the Lord because I want your eyes to be fixed on the rewarder. Because Hebrews chapter 11 says that God will reward those that diligently seek him. God rewards those who diligently seek him. So if you're doing this difficult fast, God will reward your, your diligence. God is attracted to those that seek him. God rewards those that want more of him. It's like if, you, if you're trying to do some scientific testing on electricity and lightning and you go out in a, in a lightning storm and you put up a giant lightning rod, you should, you're expect, your reward is the thing that you're reaching for and you're hoping touches the earth. You want more lightning? Put up a lightning rod in a thunderstorm. You want more of Jesus? The Bible says, seek him and you will find him. You, you want more of the Lord? You, you diligently seek him. You're putting up a lightning rod and he will touch the earth in your life. God's presence will touch the earth because you're hungry for more of him. So sometime this week, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit for a time that you can celebrate with your loved ones. And not just because it's like, I, I just can't eat another minute, but because you feel the Holy Spirit being like, wouldn't Andy's frozen yogurt be really good right now? Get the kids, get in the car and go celebrate. You know, I don't want it to be a chore. I want it to be a delight. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. You'll know him. And, and pray. It's a celebration. In fact, why don't we do this? After church today, I know that we're not eating until tonight. I want you to go to lunch today. And I want you to, to, to go out with people that you love. And I want you to, to celebrate in the presence of the Lord. Because you have been in Jesus' presence. You can fast the rest of the afternoon. You can have a giant dinner tonight. This is an extra fun. You get, oh, by the way, this is between you and God. It's your fast, not mine. But as the head of the house, the guy who called the fast, I would encourage you, because you've been in the presence of Jesus, to have lunch today, and here's why. When we worship the way you guys just worshiped, we experience the presence of God. So Mark chapter 2, there was a fast going on for the Jewish people. But Jesus' disciples were not fasting. John's disciples and the Pharisees, they were all fasting. So people came to Jesus and they're like, what's up, bro? Why did John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but you, those 12 knuckleheads, aren't fasting? Jesus said this, can the wedding guests fast when the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they can't fast. The day will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and yeah, then they're going to fast. So we are in a season because Jesus has returned to heaven and is sitting at the right hand of the Father. We fast now because Jesus is in heaven. 
but I want you, if you choose to, to eat lunch today in the presence of the Lord because you just experienced presence. Jesus' presence was with us in worship in the same way that Jesus' presence was with the disciples. So you can't fast in the presence of Jesus. So when you go to lunch today, I want you to invite Jesus to lunch. Say, Lord Jesus, what do you want? Do you want a burger? Do you want pizza? Do you want Indian food? And I want you to make lunch today an act of worship and celebration. Because it's not, fasting is not meant to be something that you dread. It's something that you embrace because you're longing for the reward. So like the Apostle Paul said, yeah, we, I'm not shadow boxing. I'm, I'm training my body for a reward that's greater than anything on this earth. But the reward is Jesus. So this year the fast is difficult, but it should be rewarding. Jesus is the reward. So it's, it's always about God's presence. God's presence is the focus of everything. God's presence is always our reward. In Genesis chapter 15, God enacted a, a rescue plan for all mankind. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned, there needed to be somebody that would come as a Messiah, a Savior, and redeem mankind back to God. So the Lord looks and he sees this man who is God-honoring, God-fearing, a man named Abram. He's 100 years old. He and his wife Sarai never had kids. It was impossible. And they, they never had kids. They were totally barren. But the Lord says, you know what? This is a good couple, God-honoring people that we can do a miracle through. And we're believing God that, that through this couple, there's going to be a nation of people. That, that through Abraham and his son Isaac and his son Jacob and his 12 sons, they're going to create the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. That to this day, you, you still can't count in the millions. So th God speaks this to Abraham. So there's going to be wealth, there's going to be land, there's going to be children and grandchildren, there's going to be a whole nation. But the Lord says this in Genesis chapter 15. He says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. He said, Abe, don't be afraid because I am your shield. I am your exceedingly great reward. Can you say that with me? Exceedingly great reward. God is our reward, and he is exceedingly great. He is the one that we seek. He is the reason that we fast. He is the reason that we worship. His presence is what we're longing for. And here's the beautiful thing. You don't have to wait for your reward. Every time you worship, every time you praise the Lord, every time you humble yourself and honor him, this is where his presence rushes in, and we experience him. And it's like we're, 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 we're remembering, oh, do you remember that time in worship? Do you remember that time at the men's conference? Do you remember that time at the women's conference? Do you remember that time? And we're, we're putting our skins in the game of experiencing the power and presence of God. I'm going to say something that's, if, if you're sleeping, you're going to want to wake up for this. This is one of those things that I, I'm shifting culture again. Because there, this thing that I'm about to say is where I, as a leader in the body of Christ for almost 30 years, have been partly wrong. And where, as, if I zoom out and I look at the church in the West in particular, there's a problem in the church among all churches. And as a leader, I was part of the problem. And here's what I mean by that. We gauge our spiritual maturity through our, our biblical precepts and our knowledge of the things of God. But we don't gauge them based on our time in his presence. So we hear a sermon, and it's good. We're, we're taking notes, and the Holy Spirit highlights a biblical principle, and we're like, crud, I needed that, you needed that, and you write that down. 
and you tweet that and you Instagram that and you get it tattooed in Greek on your arm to remind you because you're applying that biblical principle to your life, which is good. You're reading a sermon book on healing or faith or leadership or humility or intercession or whatever, and you're reading it and you highlight it. You're like, oh man, that is so good. That principle I'm going to apply to my life. Or some Instagram reel because nobody reads anymore. And it's like, man, this was good. A like, share, mash that. This is my thing. But we, we live our Christian life by putting more and more Christian principles on top of ourselves. Yes, we're maturing, but we're good at principles and we're bad at his presence. How can we call ourselves mature believers when all we have is intellectual knowledge, but we don't know how to host his presence? I am guilty of this as a pastor. I'm guilty of this as a Christian. That I have matured through adding biblical principles to my life, which we should. But I have lacked in my ability to host his presence. I don't want to pursue another biblical principle without first learning how to pursue his presence. All that I learn in my biblical understanding will die and stay on this earth. It is his presence that I go from glory to glory when I die and go be with the Lord. Please let me be clear. Yes, we read our Bible. We're literally reading our Bible right now. Yes, we study. Yes, we listen to sermons. Yes, we take notes. Yes, we read books. Yes, we grow. That is part of our spiritual maturity, but it is not everything. It is only part. We need to, the Bible literally says, study to show yourself approved. So yes, we study the word of God, but I don't want to make an idol out of my biblical principles by not pursuing Christ himself in his presence. Because a good sermon might change a part of our life, but it's not going to change our whole life. The presence of God is what changes our life. The Word of God, the Spirit of God. God changes our lives, not a sermon. So it's not one or the other, it's both. Yes, we learn. Yes, we grow. Yes, we become more wise and more mature. But we also need to learn to host His presence, that our heart would be transformed in His presence. So that when we're worshiping, we're not just singing songs. We're pouring out our hearts in worship, in adoration. Now, this is a huge shift in thinking. And here it is, a second huge shift in thinking. In this aspect of learning to host his presence, we need to learn to minister to the Lord, not just receive ministry from the Lord. We love to receive ministry. You're riding your bicycle as a little kid, you fall, you scratch your knee, you come running home screaming bloody murder, and you, mom or dad, comes out and like oh baby and you go into the kitchen and you run water over it and you pick the gravel out of your knee and you know, they kiss it and blow on it and put a little you know neosporin on it and put a band-aid on it and hug you and honey it's going to be okay we love to be ministered to we need to learn to minister to the lord because as adults we have fallen off the bike of our life and our hearts carry pains and scratches that only the Lord can soothe. The Lord ministers to us in his presence. How do we get into his presence? By learning to minister to him. He is a loving father. He wants to heal our broken hearts. He wants to kiss our boo-boos, but that happens in his presence. So I propose to you that we need to learn how to minister to the Lord 
in spite of the pain in our heart. So often people are like, well, I'm just waiting on God to bring healing to my heart. Why don't you minister worship and adoration to the Lord and in his presence he will return healing to your heart, whether you feel like it or not. Why? Jesus is our great reward. Jesus is our exceedingly great reward. So if we minister to him, he will minister to us through his presence. If we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. But why don't we first seek him? And here's the problem. Sometimes people seek the Lord because they're looking for his hand. I need God to bless me. I need God to touch me. I need God to fix me. I need God to give me a job. I need God to give me a spouse. I need God to give me a baby. I need God to give me something. Why don't you seek his hand, his heart, not his hand? If you want more of his presence, minister to him. Bless him, honor him, praise him, worship him, sing to him. Lift your voice. And it's not just being loud. Some of you introverted people are like, oh, he's going to make us be loud. In, in the world that we live in today where everything is loud and everything is noisy and everything's coming at you on your phone all the time, sometimes ministering to the Lord is being silent and not having anything digital in your life. You're just resting in his presence. You put on a worship track and you just lay on your floor of your bedroom and you're just silent before him. Why? Because the word of the Lord often comes in a still small voice. And we can't hear it over the noise of our Instagram and our Facebook and our email and our texting. All right. Have you ever heard the phrase, well, bless God, I just need more of Jesus and less of me? I was really impressed with Josh Martinez. I guess he's out with our kids today. He sang, uh, all of our team did such a great job for Christmas two weeks ago, but we don't get to hear from Josh all that often. And I just was so impressed. I, I knew we could sing. I've known him for 10 or 11 years. I, I, knew, I knew he had this amazing voice, but at Christmas, it really stood out. It's just like, golly, that dude's got game. And, um, but do you remember, like, Josh didn't do this, but I just, this is an example. Somebody in church sings a great solo, and then you go to them after church, you're like, hey, that was amazing, great job. You're just trying to encourage them. And then their response is, oh, no, it, it wasn't me. It was all Jesus. Okay, it wasn't that good. Like, like it was really good, but it was all Jesus good. God created you on purpose because he likes you, thinks you're amazing, wants to hang out with you. God created the heavens and the earth before he created mankind. He didn't like it. So he added man to his creation because he wanted to hang out with you. Does that make sense? It's not all of Jesus and none of me. It's all of Jesus filling you. So God creates Adam and Eve because he wants to be with them. Mankind were created to be in the presence of the Lord, but he didn't make us robots. He gave us a free will. We can willingly choose to enter into his presence or not. We can choose to obey him or not. We can choose to live holy or we cannot and sin against him. So Adam and Eve are the first ones to have experienced the very thing that we were created for, God's presence manifest on the earth. And then, thanks to Eve, right, fellas? Can I, this is a funny joke joke, right? Can I say something? Why was the devil even allowed to talk to Eve? Why didn't Abe, uh, Adam step in and be like, you don't talk to her. God told me not to eat of the fruit of the tree. So you have something to say about the tree, you talk to me. Adam was a coward. It wasn't being the man of God he was supposed to be. But that's never here nor there. Not in my notes. All right, moving on. Adam and Eve sinned. 
The sin separated them from the presence of God. The sin kicked them out of the garden. And it was the cross of Christ that reunites us and re-invites us back into the presence of God. It is the cross that reinstitutes the, the Garden of Eden level of presence of God on the earth. Yeah. Let's quickly go through the story in Genesis chapter 1. I'll just read a couple of verses. God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Gross snakes. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Only two genders. Flip over to chapter 2. The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, dude, you can eat anything you want in the garden. Just not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You will not eat that because in that day you will eat of it. You will surely die. He didn't physically die. He spiritually died. Now, flip over to chapter 3. I won't read it. You know the story. Adam and Eve sin against God. They bring sin into the world. They realized they were naked. And then they felt full of shame. So when they heard the presence of God come... They hid from God's presence. Verse 8. As they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. If you read the rest of chapter 3, because of their disobedience and rebellion, God curses the devil, the snake. God curses Eve. And then God curses Adam. And then the final curse is he they're kicked out of his presence. They're kicked out of the garden. Can I give you a side note? You do not need to live under the curses of chapter 3. Because Jesus took our sin to the cross, defeated the curse of sin, sickness, death, hell, and the grave, and then invited us back into the Father's presence. So for Eve, the, the curse was uh, pain in childbirth, um, which I, what I would, you know, uh, in, include um, all the, the, well, he said also that your husband is going to be domineering over you, that there was an unhealthy family culture between husband and wife. For the man, for Adam, he said, dude, earning a living is going to be backbreaking. There's going to be thorns and thistles and everything you garden. It's, it, and, the, and here was the biggest curse of all. You guys have to get out of my presence. But you have to remember, Jesus broke the curse on Calvary. So don't voluntarily live under a curse that's already been broken. You can claim the, the blood of Jesus over your pregnancy, over your marriage, over your relationships, over your finances, over your job. And you invite Jesus to go to work with you. You invite Jesus into your family, into your marriage. And by his grace, you're going to walk in his blessing and not curse. All right, let's go back to the, the, the point. A hammer was created for basically one purpose, and that's to drive nails. A coffee cup was created for one purpose, and that's to hold a cup of coffee. You were created for one purpose, and that is to walk in the garden in the presence of the Lord. We do other things, but that's the main reason we were created, is to know and understand and, and walk in the Lord's presence. Did you notice in verse 8 there was a sound when the presence of the Lord came into the garden? This is a model for all of us. 
that we would hear the sound of God's presence and that we would respond and not hide ourselves in sin and shame, but that we would run to the sound of his presence and say, Lord, I've come to abide in you. I've come to walk with you. I've come to share life with you. We should have the same cry as King David did in Psalm chapter 84. He says, I long. Yes, I faint with longing so that I can enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, my body and my soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. David, who was a warrior, David, who was a hunter, David, who was a strong leader, he said, I am searching after the presence of God so much I'm exhausted. I'm faint because I'm longing for his presence. Like a deer in the desert longing for his next sip of water, I am longing for the presence of God. And my whole being, I shout for joy. I'm panting with my next breath for more of the presence of God. I wish that were the prayer of the church today. That we would long for the courts of the Lord. Now you have to remember, David didn't build the temple. Solomon did, his son. So he's referring to the tabernacle. In the tabernacle, they had the, the, the tent of God's presence. And there, there was a gate at, at the, the head of the tent, and you'd come into the court, and God's pre- you'd come close to the presence of God. So can I give you, according to the Bible, what the keys are to unlocking God's presence? Psalm 100. You're going to want to write this down and go back and study this. Psalm 100. Sit quietly with your hands in your pocket and don't say anything during a worship service all of the earth. Oh, snap. Make a joyful what? Make a joyful noise to the Lord, Uncommon Church. Serve the Lord. How many of you are not serving on a team? Serve the Lord, but if you're going to do it, do it with gladness. Come into. It's an invitation. My mom used to call for our whole family whenever dinner was ready. She, I don't know if this, it's not bad. She'd say, come and get it before we throw it to the hogs. My mom was a very civilized white-collar woman. I don't know why this was the expression that she chose to call us for dinner. She still calls us to dinner at our summer vacations by saying, come and get it before I throw it to the hogs. My mom is not from the South. This is her one Southern expression. It is an invitation to come to the table and eat. This verse is an invitation. Y'all come into his presence, but come with singing. Know that the Lord, he is good and he is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people. He is our shepherd. We are the sheep of his pasture. So enter into his gates. How? With thanksgiving. Enter into his courts. This is where his presence is. With what? Praise. Praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good and his steadfast love endures forever his faithfulness to all generations. You are a part of all generations. This is the blueprint. This is the invitation to access the presence of God. Make a joyful noise. Serve the Lord, but do it with gladness. Come into the house with singing. The gate is the access point from the outside to the inside. Thanksgiving is how we enter in from one realm to another. The gate sits on two realms. So how do we get through the realm of this natural world and traffic on 183 and taxes and politics and Facebook and Instagram? We enter in by having a thankful heart with the Lord. And then we get further into the courts by praising him, by singing to him, by honoring him, by blessing his holy name, by by exalting him. 
All right, hop up on your feet. I have a couple final thoughts, but it somehow it goes faster if you're standing. <laughs> Sometimes people that are new to Jesus stuff, they'll be like, dude, I don't get it. What is it? What do you mean feel God's presence? Great question. It's not a, it's not a bad question. So here's a few thoughts I have for you. The Bible says that God is love. And the presence of God is the same glory that is in heaven right now, manifest on the earth. So therefore, the, the glory that we feel, the presence of God that we feel, is the love of God poured out, and we feel it, and we sense it. It's like having a hug from heaven. So sometimes you'll be in this worship service, and here's the funny thing. The presence of God is not meant to be felt. It often is, but it is not meant to give us warm, fuzzy feelings and tickles in our tummy and the hair on our neck stand up. Sometimes it does, but that doesn't mean the presence of God came and doesn't mean the presence of God didn't come. We can't gauge the presence of God based on our physical bodies and how we react emotionally or physically. Often we do because he created us body, soul, and spirit. So when we worship him in body, soul, and spirit, we will often feel him in our body, in our soul, and in our spirit. But it doesn't necessarily, you can't gauge the presence of God on your feelings. So sometimes when you're in times of worship or you, you come down to the front, you just kneel before the Lord, you'll feel like a hug, like a, the love of God poured out. That's the presence of God because God is love. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So sometimes in, in worship, in his presence, when things are quiet, you'll feel like your life, your world, your head, your heart, your finances, your marriage might not be in any state of peace. But all of a sudden you're like, okay, everything's going to be okay. I feel this, this rest. I feel this peace coming over me. Why? That's the presence of the Prince of Peace. What about joy? Sometimes you just got to get up and shout and dance and sing. Why? Because we read it last Sunday, Psalm 116, verse 11. In God's presence, there is fullness of joy. So sometimes you're, you're just like, does anybody feel this? Like, I'm just, I'm just, well, I'm just so excited. I'm just, God is so good. Thank you, Lord. And there's this joy that bubbles up on the inside of you. Why? Because in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. Sometimes, if you're, especially if you're new and you're developing your faith in God, You'll be in a moment of worship or prayer, and we'll be praying for healing, we'll be praying for sick, we'll be praying for something that's going on in your life, and all of a sudden, it's like, you have this electric charge of faith, and you're like, yeah, nothing's impossible for God. Heck yeah, I'm gonna be healed. I'm gonna be set free. This, God's gonna, uh, you're like, yeah. Where does that come from? It comes from his presence. Because Hebrews chapter 12 and verse two says that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. So when we're in his presence, he is authoring faith in our lives for things that he wants us to believe for. Sometimes we're struggling with nightmares and addiction and demonic strongholds and we just come and we do our very best to worship the Lord and then all of a sudden we feel like the prison gates have been opened and all of this demonic just crud from the enemy has been removed from our life. You're like, what is happening? It's the presence of God. Because at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth. When you get into his presence, all that stuff that's been holding you back will bring freedom. He'll break off the chains. Some of you have been believing for healing in your heart, believing for healing in your mind, or you need a physical healing in your body. 
And oftentimes, I've seen it many times, people are just worshiping God. They're crying out to God. And then at the end of the worship service, they're like, hey, what happened to that sciatic pain? Hey, what happened to that kidney pain? Hey, what happened to that tumor? Because God brings healing in his presence. Because the same Jesus that endured the cross and the same Jesus that endured the stripes of the Roman soldiers, when you're in his presence, there's healing. Sometimes it's just like your phone battery's dead. And you come into church and you're like, I, I can't stand. I can't lift my heart. I can't lift my voice. I can't lift my hands. I just feel like my, unlike that phone, I just feel like I'm just dead. And I have no energy. But by the end of the worship service, you're like, anybody want to go do something? Let's go for a run. Let's go for a walk. Let's go for a hike. I'm excited. Let's go. Why? Because in the presence of the Lord, there are times of refreshing. Sometimes in the presence of God, he will refresh you. He will renew you. He will strengthen you. You will be lifted up like on the wings of eagles. And you're soaring when you came crawling in. You go soaring out. But did you notice all the singing and joyful noise part? Remember, if you're an introvert or an extrovert, that don't matter. You want more lightning? Go out into a thunderstorm with a lightning rod. You want more of his presence? Come into worship with singing and rejoicing. You'll be rewarded for what you're looking for, and that is his presence. Worship is our lightning rod. Worship attracts his presence. Worship is how heaven invades earth. The Bible said, I, I quoted it earlier. The Bible said in Psalm chapter 22, God will enthrone the praises of Israel. Other translations say God will inhabit the praises of Israel. If we'll build a throne of praise and worship, he'll come sit on it. And here's another thing I need to teach you by the end of this year as we seek his presence. This is all, this will all work in a corporate Sunday morning, Wednesday night at seven o'clock, don't miss it, service. But it also works in your living room. It works in your bedroom. It works in your closet. It works in your car. You, you, I need you to learn how to host the presence of God in your personal life. We learned in 2020 that, well, this church would never get shut down, but that public meetings together can be shut down. So you need to know how to host the presence of God in your bedroom. You put on a playlist and you take time and you just pursue his presence. You worship, you sing, you honor him. Think about the old days when, when like King David said, I long, I pant with all of my body and soul for the presence of God in the courts of the Lord. He was talking about the tabernacle and then later talking about the, the temple. People would come to Jerusalem, they would come to the, the temple, and they would bring an animal to have the animal's head cut off and its blood poured out and then it burned in fire. Like, I know Christianity is all fun and sweet and, and politically correct. The Bible's kind of gross and weird with like real, God wanted animal sacrifices. We're not doing that today, so what is the sacrifice? We make a sacrifice of praise. And it's a sacrifice because we don't always feel like it. We want to skip church. We want to put our hands in our pockets. We want to mope. We want to complain. It's a sacrifice when we praise the Lord, when we worship him in spite of what's going on in our life. Your song is your sacrifice. And then when you really enter into worship, you become the sacrifice. You don't care what anybody thinks around you. you you'll lay on the floor. You'll sing. You'll dance. You'll shout. You'll run around because you just want to be the sacrifice that worships the Lord more than anything else. Final illustration as they bring the house lights down. You've been invited to a big Christmas party. Big, like 100 people crammed in the house. 
you don't even really know the people that are hosting the party, but you know they're wealthy, they're influential, it's maybe somebody, you know, locally famous, like the deputy mayor pro tem, and it's at, the, at their house. I think I just made that up. It's crowded. You come in, you bring a little gift, you go get a cup of cider, you're talking to some people, and you see the owner, you see the host. And from across the room, you just smile, thumbs up, beautiful house, lovely spread. Thank you, thanks for having me. Maybe you'll go over and give a quick formal handshake. This is how most Christians teach the Lord in church, in worship. But in that same party, the, the, the guy's kids or grandkids come running in. They're busting strangers out of the way because they're looking for one thing. And they want to jump up in grandpa's lap because the children are invited to the father's presence. There's no formal handshake. There's no polite nod. There's just the child wanting to run to the love of the father, to cuddle him and hang out with him. I don't want our church to be a place where people come and they politely nod to the Lord. I want our place to be the place where we know our identity is children of the Most High God and we run into his arms of love. We are God's children. We have been adopted into his family. During the Passover meal, the disciples were sitting around the table, but the Bible says there was one disciple who was leaning against Jesus, and that's John. There's always a place of invitation to lean against the Lord's presence. Here's what's worse. You go to a big dinner party like that, it's mobbed. You, you like the people. You know the people that are all around. You don't really know the host, so you don't even acknowledge the host. You spend all of your time talking to your friends. You leave and you didn't even shake the host's hand and acknowledge that they were there. I think this is the worst kind of worship that we do. We love our church family so much. We're, we're a part of the gang, but we don't acknowledge the Father. We need to learn to not let anything be an idol. Our wealth, our success, our family, our marriage, our anointing, our talent, our church, our job, our house, car, nothing can be an idol more than the presence of God. Even what we talked about earlier, our biblical principles and intellect understanding, it's good, but it pales in comparison to his presence. You can be, here's, here's the sad thing, Worship teams, people that sing and lead and worship, they can even record albums and go on tour. They can be really good at worship and never experience his presence. It's kind of like going on a date with your loved one. You've been looking forward to this. You sit down for dinner and then you pull out your phone and you're just scrolling and commenting and texting and taking a phone call. You're in the presence of the one that you love, but your devotion, your heart is not in it. When you come into his presence, you put aside the things of this world and you worship him and you honor him. You focus on him. You be present in his presence. Don't be distracted. Final verse. You want to see the Lord? Jesus said that the pure in heart are going to see God. Sometimes people will go, man, I just don't feel the presence of God. Well, that might have something to do with your pornography addiction. Man, I just don't feel God's presence. Well, that might be because you're sleeping with somebody you're not married to. Or you're stealing from work, or you're yelling at your kids. You've allowed impurity into your life. There is a promise. The pure in heart, 
they're going to see God. If you're here this morning and there's sin in your life that has been separating you from God, you need to repent, ask God to forgive you, wash you, cleanse you, and then open your eyes to the presence of the Lord. If you're watching online, this is for you, man. Your heart might be beating out of your chest right now. I want to lead you in prayer to ask God to forgive you of your sin, to be restored that the curse of Genesis chapter 3 would be broken off of your life, that you would receive the gift of eternal life, you would receive the gift of God's love, you would receive the gift of God's presence in your heart. Revelation 3 says that the Lord is knocking at the door of your heart. He wants to come in, but he's waiting for you to open the door. So if you need to get right with God, you need to open the door by faith and say, God, I need to respond. In worship, in a few minutes, you need to be the one that opens the door to the presence of God and say, Lord, come. Fill this room, fill this heart with your presence and your power and your glory. This might be the first time you've ever prayed a prayer like this. You're nervous. You're, you're like a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Like you're just, you're nervous right now. That's good. That's the Holy Spirit saying, it's time to come home. Or maybe you've been running from God. Your heart has grown cold. You, you knew the Lord, but you've been running from God. You need to return to the Father's house today. God's not mad at you. He loves you. He's crazy about you. He's chasing you down. He wants to forgive your sin and restore you as a son, as a daughter. So I want to pray. I can't pray it for you. I can lead you. But I would like to know who we're praying for. So let's just bow your head and close your eyes. Get ready to pray. If you're here this morning and you need to pray this prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, nobody's looking around but me, but would you shoot your hand up real high? And just say, preacher, that's my prayer. I need to get right with God today. Just shoot your hand up real high, wave it at me, and just say, this is my prayer. I'm going to get right with God today. I'm going to get restored to the kingdom of God, to the sonship and daughtership of God. That's unusual that nobody gives their heart to Jesus today. Okay, I see your hand right there. Is there anybody else? Just shoot your hand up real high. Good. All right, YouTube. One person bravely said, man, today is my day to get right with God. This is my prayer. Right there between you and that screen, just shoot your hand up. And just say, I'm praying this prayer. For the sake of the one and for those on YouTube, can we all pray this prayer together if you believe it? Say, dear Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I surrender. I'm going to stop running. I give you my life. And I receive your love. Lord, teach me to hunger and thirst for righteousness and for your presence. Lord, make my heart pure so that I can see God. Lord, teach me to worship, to be present in your presence, to minister to you. Thank you for forgiving my sin. Thank you for adopting me into the Father's house. I love you, Lord. I bless and honor your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, for that one that raised their hand, and for you at home, I am so proud of you. Golly, I'm proud of you. Yay, God. Yay, God. Yay, God. Wow. All right. The table has been set. All you need to do is respond to the Lord in worship. Put aside focus on anything else just enter into his presence. 
I'm going to ask our prayer team to come down. If you need prayer this morning, if there's pain in your body, if there's sickness in your body, if you need a, a prophetic word, if, if you're having a difficult time in a relationship or a, just something that you, you need a person of faith to, to pray over you, if you're not yet filled with the Holy Spirit and praying in other tongues, man, if you need prayer for any reason, I want you to come down here and get prayer. For the one, and then for those of you that are watching online, we want to put your name on a on a light bulb on the Jesus board. We want to pray for you and encourage you. So text the name Jesus to 817-405-2244. Fill out that form. Click submit. We'll put your name on a light bulb on the Jesus wall, and we'll begin to pray for you and encourage you in your walk. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.